This episode is brought to you by the Glen Grant Single Malt Scotch. You're listening to Fix Me a Drink, a Flaviar podcast. Welcome to another edition of Fix Me a Drink. I'm Noah Rothbaum, Flaviar's Head of Cocktails and Spirits. Joining me as always is my colleague and co-host, David Wondrich. How are you, Dave? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is the perfect, perhaps yeah. the perfect intro yeah. for today's episode. You know, I'm in I'm in Brooklyn here in New York City with the uh and uh it's uh it's hot. There's no getting around it. Hazy, hot, and humid. That is yep. uh New York summer. New York um, summer. It's 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 like Georgia with hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> people people might assume that this episode would be about tropical cocktails, mm-hmm. maybe the joys of rum, ginger beer. No, we're, we're, we're going in an unexpected way. We're talking about scotch. You know, I, I don't want to call it a pet peeve, but I feel like it's one of these ideas that's very pervasive that, you know, you can only drink whiskey, you know, in the, the fall and in the winter when it's really cold and it's, you know, uh, nasty outside and 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 it's it's not true. And and obviously we'll we'll get into that in a minute. And then of course, joining us later at the at the second half of our episode is Dennis Malcolm, the long-serving master distiller from Glen Grant, who who brought a very very special bottle for oh us very nice try. bottle we love we love a guest who brings a delicious spirit for us to to try I have to say so I'm I'm looking forward to to tasting the Glen Grant 21 with him and uh, hearing about uh, Dennis's thoughts about uh, summer in Scotland uh, you and I have both had the pleasure of being in Scotland in summer Scotland summer is interesting because. It can be a lot like, uh, let's say, uh, Philadelphia winter. <laughs> you right. know? Yes, you can get. Uh, it can be fifty-four degrees and raining, and yeah. it's still. You know, it doesn't rain all day long uh, in like extended sheets. It's just little bands right. come through, and and you're wet for a while, then you dry off a little, and. You, but you really appreciate Scotch whiskey differently, I think. Yeah. After after being out and about in 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 the Scottish countryside in the summer or the fall, whatever, uh, you really get a you you understand why exactly Scotch tastes the way it does. Absolutely, I mean, in America, like as whiskey is maturing, or in, in Kentucky or anywhere else, mm-hmm. usually, as as it ages it goes up in proof, right? The water evaporates, right? It gets it's it gets ever higher in proof. Mm-hmm. Where in Scotland, in their in their warehouses, their cellars, what happens? It's the opposite, right? The alcohol loses proof generally, right? Yeah, because uh, the, it's not hot enough to evaporate the water. Exactly. And, uh, so so the most of the evaporation happens from the alcohol. Definitely gives you a sense right there. <laughs> what the climate's like and i remember being there years ago working on my first book the business of spirits and there was a heat wave and i was staying in (laughs) galaki that tiny but beautiful village and um on the news there were segments about what sunscreen was and how to use it 
which I also thought was pretty hilarious, which says a lot too. I, I, I've been in uh, in Scotland during a, a heat wave, you know, when it gets over 80. And uh, <laughs> there are like people sitting on the street in the middle of the big towns with their back against the wall with their shirts off, <laughs> you know, just soaking in the sun. Sunscreen? No. We don't Vitamin know. Vitamin D is. all the time, right? You know. Then again, you know, the summer can also just be cold and windy and yeah and uh and then you break out your little hip flask with the whiskey in there yeah very useful it also explains you know why you get this connection between golf and scotch right i mean i think oh, yeah. one, of the, one of the most fascinating things at the turn of the century is that you know thanks to phylloxera which is this little aphid that sort of eats its way across Europe, all the vineyards and in the, in the process, mm -hmm. you know, severely damages port, cognac, sherry production, right, which was phenomenally popular at the time, right? And, mm -hmm. and for the first time, whiskey really gets a shot, you know, it's we get the whiskey gets called up from the minor leagues. It's like, okay, kid, like, here's your shot. You at go. The, yeah, the big leagues, like, let's see what you can do. And finally, People start to take scotch seriously and sort of miraculously at the same time, golf also starts to take off in America, right? And you see these twin Scottish pastimes, passions, you know, uh, creations take off together. Scotch becomes the thing you have at the 19th hole, you know, right. it's like you, you've made it through your round of golf. And that the thing that's dangling at the end is a a Scotch whiskey highball. Was, right. Oh boy, that's very exciting. I found an article from the New York Sun from April 1899. Quite a spring that year, if I remember correctly. <laughs> a little before my time, unfortunately. <laughs> you missed out. Um, yeah. The article said Scotch whiskey is as essential to a golf player as beer to a man at a clam bake. Which says yeah. a lot. I mean, I guess, yeah, yeah. you know, beer to a man at a clam bake. Well, especially if you're out on the links, you know, before golf carts, uh, before anything, uh, you're walking out there. And if it's uh, if it's not the most perfect weather, uh, you get that little flask of whiskey. And uh, that, you know, really is is great for morale. And uh, and you then begin to see the highball, the scotch highball, as you were talking about, which, I mean, again, what a perfect name for to be paired with golf right a ball was was a measurement of of like a dram right it was a yeah. certain measurement yeah. so of, a high ball was just a tall glass I mean, it was an irish term but for us it's kind of a perfect you know the high ball with golf obviously golf is a game that centers around hitting a ball so you begin to really see in the turn of the century in newspapers especially along the east coast of, of america Brands, liquor stores, you know, advertising highballs and scotch, mm -hmm. you know, some kind of connection to golf. You usually didn't use uh, single malt scotches because we didn't really have those oh, for sure in America. Uh, up until uh, the 1890s, all we had was malt scotch, but it was sent over in the barrel and it was only used for hot toddies. It was not a popular drink in America, and it was very strong and very smoky. Uh, usually, the the popular uh, distilleries were the ones 
that made this this smoky stuff because it was used in the dead of winter in uh you know with with boiling water sugar and lemon peel and uh that's a fantastic use for it but you didn't really have sipping malts no by the 1890s you've got sipping blends though and right. then only in the 1980s do we get uh, start to get a large number of sipping malts in the country after 20 years of preparation and uh, brands kind of cracking open the market. But those malts are great in the summer if uh, it's uh, summer rain, you know, something yeah. like that. Also, a lot of the less smoky whiskeys. Uh, I know it sounds like heresy, but I'll just put an ice cube in them, and it's a lovely summer drink, you know. Absolutely, if you've got a good rich malt that's uh, that's uh, only got maybe a little bit of peat in it or no peat. Uh, yeah. that works really well, I think, in the summer. It's a cooling drink and a pleasant drink because it's so it's so subtle and soft, you know. Yeah, and so with ice, it suddenly becomes really tasty. Scotch also works really well with citrus, with with oh, orange yeah. flavors, right? Yeah, I, I use mean, the blends for that mostly, mostly but uh, you can get a really nice Scotch sour or one of my favorite recent recent favorite cocktails, the Silent Third, which is a uh, Scotch sidecar. So uh, maybe two parts good blended Scotch, one part Cointreau, a little less than one part lemon juice shake it up and pour it into a cocktail glass that's delightful that's a great drink silent third from london in the 1930s i mean and i think it's one of these things where people you know you say oh like whiskey in in the summer and they say oh no 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 but then you say have out a mink julep yeah please that sounds yeah, delicious yeah, you know what i mean it's I like it, it's just the <laughs> it's a whiskey too it's just the yeah it's just sort of our frame of reference right yeah, so, exactly but once you pry scotch out of the uh, club chairs and the and right. the, the you know the wood the the the, the wood shelved libraries and all that and once you get it into the great outdoors it, i think it makes a lot more sense as a drink absolutely and especially when you have the fact that without golf and highballs scotch probably would never have been as popular as it is in america right so so you know for all these people who tell you that historically and traditionally scotch has been served you know you know it has to it can't be you know you can't have it with ice you can't have it in a cocktail you, you know it's not for the summer it's wrong we, that's exactly how people were drinking it you know to start off with i mean that's you know and they drank it in punch you know they drank it in toddies they mixed it they didn't have a problem with that it was spirits you did what you did with spirits you, you did that with it and and one a cocktail that we would be remiss not to mention, of course, is the Mamie Taylor, right? Oh, very popular in, at the turn of the 1900s. It was the uh, ancestor of the Moscow Mule, which is funny. Right. A scotch whiskey, blended scotch, ginger beer, ice, and half a lime squeezed in and dropped in. That's easy enough. Anybody can make that. It's like the you know, your dog can make that. You know, that is one delicious cocktail. I've found that it has worked with all types of scotches to be honest you know what yeah. i mean from from nice space side sippers to you know smoky scotches you know i've had over the years all types of versions of it it's on a on yeah. a hot day cold ginger beer or even you know ginger ale and scotch makes one hell of a drink now i don't think we should bring this one up to dennis malcolm though probably not i i feel like dennis it might be a little bit too far 
<laughs> well, also to be fair, where he is based in in the beautiful Rothes, Scotland, right, which is you know a couple of hours, several hours north of uh, Edinburgh and a little bit west of Aberdeen, it is it is verdant. It is so green yeah. and beautiful, and I don't think our definition of summer. <laughs> is is probably his definition of summer like there's you could still wear a venn diagram there but uh, right. there's not a lot of overlap in the middle people still wear wool in july and yeah. august in in fleece. scotland I, I wore a lot right. of uh performance fleece <laughs> you could wear you could wear a suit this is yeah. not new york this isn't yeah, no, new orleans no. it's not dallas you know this is this is a different type of summer so i think from that perspective like yeah like why would you ever want to mix it with ice and ginger beer ginger ale or, or make it shake it you know in a, in a cocktail yeah of course not when it when it's 60 degrees with no humidity which sounds incredible which makes me think why are we living here when we could be living there dave uh, that's Where a whole other that? conversation uh, you're not entirely wrong <laughs> but here like you know you know our you know my wife is obsessed with the idea of the dew point in you yeah, know, that is that's a big thing in the Midwest, and I just think that is that whole i that whole part of weather just doesn't get to Scotland. So yeah. again, like you know, when you look at something like the highball, you can understand where it's the perfect overlap of a Venn diagram of, you know, what what the Scots could agree upon with the Americans. Yeah, right? we could yeah. we could both agree, yeah. and depending upon what the climate's like. How much ice, how much club soda you add, obviously the proportions can vary depending upon how hot it is outside. So it could go from a splash of seltzer or club soda to to a lot, depending upon how hot you are and you know how hot it is outside. So it's it's sort of the perfect, you know, what do they call the the Ricky uh uh air conditioner to glass, right? Yeah, the, yeah. the gin Ricky. Yeah. I mean, that's the same similar drink to the highball. The highball can work as that. It does depend on the whiskey. Some whiskeys are a little uh, assertive, let's say. Some Scotch yeah. whiskeys. Yeah. And, uh, they, those, those are the highballs I'd have in the fall. And yeah. The but yeah, uh, I would say go more towards the space side. Yeah. Profitable uh, ones, less peat, less. I mean, smoke. I don't think Isla gets the island, uh, <laughs> you know, off the west coast of Scotland. I don't think they get any <laughs> summer at all. So uh, there, over there, I would say, you know, go with. Uh, uh you can just drink drink the the, the yeah. smoky whiskeys they make uh they're probably fine year round if you're drinking them there but that's uh, a uh three season part of the world fall yeah. winter fall if i'm not yeah. mistaken yeah <laughs> big winter little winter i think is what you get <laughs> sure yeah you, you you know it's it's basically on the up in the north atlantic pretty far north so i mean it's cold but uh it's a little more sheltered in Speyside uh, from the from the worst of the North Atlantic, and and uh, it can be you know it can be just lovely, warm, and pleasant. But and, and you know their their whiskeys tend to be lovely, warm, and pleasant. You know, and I have to say that that the fact that Scotch is so popular in so many different areas around the world is a testament to its quality and also its versatility that it really can be used in many different ways or, or drunk in many different ways. 
depending upon your taste, whether or not you agree with that, that's a separate discussion. Well, I mean, it's it's hot out here in New York right now, and I'm looking forward, for one, to cracking open this uh, Glenn Grant 21, and, uh, and uh, you know, I think it'll make a perfect summer drink. Let's get Dennis on the line now. He'll take us through the 21-year-old, and also uh, we have a special sweepstakes for Flavior members to, to go to Scotland and visit Dennis, which I'm very jealous about. We'll get him on now. Welcome, Dennis. Thank you so much for, for joining us today. It's a real pleasure. Welcome. Thank you, gentlemen. It's my pleasure to be with you today. We're excited that you're here. We also love a guest that brings something for all of us to drink. That's always much appreciated. That is much appreciated, <laughs> and uh, we, we love it. So, and, and not only did you bring us something to drink, but you brought us something incredibly special to drink, the new Glen Grant 21, which just came out what, like a few months ago in America, I think May or so? Yeah, it was that, that was the first launch of it in America and in, in New York, which was absolutely fantastic because America have never really, you're, you're taking the whole range, why not give you the 21 to launch? Yeah. But the world see it from yourselves first. Well, I feel like it, <laughs> it's been so popular, Glenn Grant, in Italy and Europe that I think finally we've been able to get a little bit more in America, which which I'm excited for. You know, you know my, my grandmother was Italian and uh, she always drank uh, Glenn Grant at her bridge parties with her friends up, up in the north in Trieste. So uh, I've always, I've always uh, you know, kind of had it in my conscience as, 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 as the whiskey to drink. Yeah, the, the Italians have got a nice pouring method. They don't use one of these optics. They just take the cork out and just splash it into the glass. Yeah, that works very well. <laughs> it works well, yeah. I think, Dennis, you probably know more about Glenn Grant than anybody else on earth at this point, right? I mean, you you, you were basically, you, you were born on the grounds of the distillery, right? Yeah, I was born in that little house just at the roundabout. My father worked at the distillery at that time. Amazing. And your grandfather had worked there too, right? I mean, yeah, he was he was there. He was there from 1919, so uh, he was there before me. So all I've done, I've done very little. I've just carried on the tradition that they left for me to do. That's all I've done. In the modern world, that takes that takes a lot of determination. I would say. say that's pretty exceptional. That's pretty exceptional. How old were you when you started working at Glen Grant? I was 15 years of age on the 3rd of April, 1961. Amazing. And what, did, and what did they have you do? Like, what was your first job there? Well, fortunately for me now, I didn't appreciate it at the time, but I started off as an apprentice cooper. Oh. To make costs. Yeah, that's, uh, you, get, you have my respect for that. Yeah, and you know, when I was young, I just thought it was great being able to form a, something at a hold in liquid, which is thinner than, than water. But then I went into production and I found how important good good wood was. So that yeah. helped me. That helped me going forward. And the whole wood revolution in the 1980s, 1990s now with the finishing and using different types of oak and different types of barrels and barrels that have held all types of things from port to sherry to rum to tequila now. I mean, having a background, I think, 
as having worked in the cooperage is so unique and, and so yeah. important. Like, you know, I'm a little jealous, I have to say, although <laughs> I did one attempt at making a barrel once in it, and I have to admit it. <laughs> they were able to reattach the fingers. Don't worry. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> Maybe the order isn't correct. No, they're, they're there anyway. They, they're there. <laughs> Remember, gentlemen, Glenn Grant has got an affinity with America because we, we own wild turkey and Glenn Grant, most of the expressions are a marriage of American oak and sherry casks together. Right. So we, we've got a great relationship with the, with American oak. And this, the 21, mm. it, it uses both, correct? Or, or am I mistaken? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we use a, a, a fairly high percentage of, of sherry and American bourbon, bourbon casks. And it's in them both for 21 years. Then we marry them together before we bought wow. it. And we bottled mm. it at 46% by volume, which is a lovely mouthfeel to it. The sherry is is very restrained, which is nice. Sometimes people tend to overdo it, and uh, better as an accent. You don't want it to dominate. Aroma and taste, David, to me, is to be in perfect harmony. You know, And, and I think we've maybe managed to do it this time because it's, it's very floral in the nose, you know? It is. Floral, floral fruity and toffee vanilla notes there and i would say on the nose it's it's like sweet ripe peaches with toffee and raisins wow i could i could see that I, you really you get the grain uh, coming through the wood which is hard at this age but uh it's very nice here and the palate is, is a soft welcoming and i see an explosion of rich tropical fruits with creamy buttery notes Here's sort of a, a left field question. I know for a long time, Glenn Grant was known mostly for selling younger malts. Uh, and does that experience help when you come to these older ones? Yeah, it has indeed, because Glenn Grant made its name in Italy, five-year-old, as you know. Mm -hmm. And we only use, we've got a very, very rigid cask policy. We only use casks three times. So that gives all mm. the other expressions a very good step up to start off. So we did the five for Italy and we did non-age, which was very very close to that age, and maybe did about 3,000 bottles a week, uh, a year in the visitor centre. Mm -hmm. then, then Campari, the best thing that happened to Glengarnock was Campari buying it because they wanted to extend the range and premiumise Glengarnock. And since then, since Campari took over in 2006, We've launched a 12, a 15, an 18, a 21, and the journey is not stopped yet. You know, Dave and I were talking before about, obviously, drinking whiskey in, 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 in the summer, scotch in the summer. I think a lot of people, there's this misconception that you can only drink scotch in, you know, the fall or winter. But I think Glen Grant is such a perfect summer malt right it's all those flavors that you were talking about makes mm -hmm. it such a good drinker for 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 a scottish summer and yeah well behind the distillery we've got a lovely 27 acre victorian garden with a couple of waterfalls and a rocky gorge where we keep a few bottles of the nice stuff in a safe in the rocky wall <laughs> so nice. that that is a place noah to drink david to drink your Summer Glen Grant mm -hmm. in the garden in the open air. It, it, it might even be in the rain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But just hold your hand over it so it doesn't dilute yeah, it too much. Yeah, yeah. 
but you know, it's 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 a beverage that can stand a little uh, a little adverse weather. Yeah, it certainly can. It certainly can, and it and it's and it's got a lovely mouthfeel, you know. Forty-six percent, and you'd expect to get maybe a, maybe feel it a little bit more, but it's not. It's it's very very soft and delicate. The finish is extremely soft, and I I say it's long enduring caramelized creme brulee. It's sweet and it's toffee panna cotta. Maybe also a little bit of pound cake. You know, when the crust on the pound cake where it gets well baked and dark, you get those just those those really lovely. Uh, Kind of bread and sugar aromas, but but uh, you know, soft and, uh, and and subtle, which which is is very nice. I notice you're not putting any water in it, David. You you like it just as it is. I do. Man after my own heart. <laughs> That's been my <laughs> habit. I think to put the water in it, I can see why people do it, but if it's a good whiskey, you won't need it. If it's and this isn't exceptionally strong, you know, if it's if it's over a hundred, over over you know fifty five percent or something, uh, I'll, I'll need to put water in it. But this is this is lovely just the way it is, and it's very concentrated, and you get the texture. Yeah, if you're if you're up if you're up at fifty five to sixty, you're you're getting a nippiness in the palate. Yeah, and it messes up your taste buds a little. It does. I think when you put water in it, you know, it, it affects the texture. And the texture is something that, that I'm always a little bit obsessed with, is how does it feel on your tongue? How does it feel in your mouth? And, uh, and the, the, you know, this is quite lovely. This is very, very soft and creamy and uh, soft, long finish, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of textbook Glenn Grant, right? That kind of creaminess, the quaffability, you know, very drinkable, like approachable, kind of almost textbook space side you know what i mean like, classic let's say right what, what you yeah. think of when you think of scotch glenn grant in a glass is a natural extension to your hand <laughs> <laughs> it's a must i wish i wish it were more often a natural extension to my hand let's say <laughs> yes currently running a sweepstakes flavior and glenn grant to send one lucky flavior member and a guest to us of course be 21 years old or older you know, all you have to do is is sign up for a Flavior account and just free and go to the Glenn Grant 21-year-old Scotch page and, and enter. The, the winner and their guests get to go to Scotland. We pay for flights, hotel, car to get you to the distillery. And best of all, they get to taste with you, Dennis. That is a real highlight. That sounds like a jolly afternoon, I have to say. <laughs> for sure. Unfortunately, Dave and I cannot enter. But uh, that sounds like <laughs> right up our alley, I have to say, for uh, for tasting with you. Well, if you see an entry for a row of Mothbaum. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You guys need to do a trial too to make sure. Yes. Yeah, we, we do. We need, a try, we need a dry run here. Not too dry. <laughs> Not too dry. No, no, no. That would be lovely. To, it would be my pleasure to look after them and uh, share a dram with them up in the, in the garden at Glengrant. What a beautiful like summer Scotch experience, right? You know, mm-hmm. Glenn Grant in the in the garden, nice breeze going by. The, the it's so beautiful. I mean, it's not just Scotland, but it's such a beautiful part of Scotland too. I mean, just oh, it's, lovely. Yeah, it's a it's a, it's the best place in Scotland because the gardens when in Maytime with all the apple blossom out and the rhododendrons out and the azaleas, all the perfume from all the it's absolutely it complements the product, you know. It's also interesting. I was doing some reading on on Glenn Grant, and I didn't realize that it was one of the, it was the first 
distillery in the area to get electricity, right? I mean, which is pretty exciting. You know, now obviously we take electricity for granted, but that must have been quite an improvement and quite a change. Yeah, that was in the early 1860s, you know. Yeah. Oh, that's very early. Yeah. Before but, uh, our and, time, obviously. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I and, not... and, well, and mine, 100 years before I started. But, right. but you, know, <laughs> you know, what he did is he took the cooling water from the condensers and the worms, passed it through a water turbine into a dynamo and built up a battery park. Oh, there we go. Let the distillery, let his, man let his mansion house first. It's closest, I think. Let the distillery. And then there's a whiskey pipe went from Glen Grant down to Glen Grant number two back in 1898 when it opened. So he hung an electric light on that beam, taking a whiskey pipe over the road. So yeah. the village had one light. And it was, yeah. <laughs> well, if you're used to no lights, one light is amazing. You know? <laughs> I mean, right now we were, we're, you know, everybody is focused on green and renewable energy. And here we go. This is the 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 most green and renewable energy source is is taking the water right from the the distilling mm -hmm. process and and turning that into power. So even founded steam railways in Speyside from yes. from the heart of Lossy Mouth all the way up, and then the, the government took it took it through Speyside. So it benefited every distillery, and it took many many vehicles off the road because it just went by train then. And one of the grands literally wrote a sizable check for the time. Was it four thousand pounds or something to pay for the railroad? And one of the first, one of the first cars, one of the first engines was called Glen Grant. It was called Glen Grant as a thank you. And we don't really talk about it, but that railroad, like totally, in in many ways, transformed the Scotch industry. So it's mm -hmm. kind of amazing that you know it's his it was his forethought. I guess that was John Grant or or James Grant. But James Grant did that. And you know, it wasn't just helping the whole industry; it was helping himself because the the seaport at Lossy Mouth in 1860, 61 to three was all the casks from Portugal and Spain. Sherry casks would come in by boat, and so would the coal for firing the cells by boat from the south of Scotland. So once he got the train up to Elgin and then up to Rothes, he had a he had a supply chain train of his own to take his yeah. product. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, well, at least he was willing to share. Put it that way. Yeah, yes, he was. He was indeed. He was indeed. Maybe unusual level of public spirit these days. Sadly. Yeah, yeah. Dennis, what is your favorite way to drink Glen Grant in the summer? No water. I I do. I I prefer it the way it is. I like to I like to taste it and experience it the way it is in the bottle because we put it in the bottle at that that, that blend of casks and the percentage alcohol ABV for people to tasted that way so I, i'm not a water person i i wouldn't say i've got a favorite you know because i i class them as my family you know they all get varying strengths but i think the way to drink them is uh, is, is moderately and often <laughs> <laughs> well that, that sounds like you know that sounds like a pleasant life i have to say it's not drinking for me, guys. It's quality control checking. Exactly. Yes, yes. It's an essential part of the production process. Uh, <laughs> yes, that is. Well, Dennis, thank you so much for coming on the show. We uh, we appreciate it and for bringing such a delicious thing for for Dave and I to to sip on while while we chat. And thank you for hosting the the winner of this sweepstakes. People out there should go and, and enter. Hopefully one of these days we'll come and join you in that garden too and uh, and uh, sip some of this 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 lovely whiskey. You'd be more than welcome. You'd be more than welcome. I look forward to that. Cheers.
Thank you for listening to another episode of Fix Me a Drink. Dave and I encourage you to always drink responsibly. Cheers.